Today's episode is brought to you by Kindred.com. Kindred partners with local churches everywhere to make smart giving a possibility with a simple tap, click, or text. It is a beautifully simple concept. I love the ability to give with my phone because it allows me to be generous even when I don't have cash on me. Uh, because let's be honest, I never have cash on me. With Kindred.com, it takes that element completely out of the equation and it unleashes generosity in your people by making it as convenient as possible to give. Here's how it works. If you want to give by text, you simply send a text to your church's giving number. And the first time, they'll reply with a secure link to register. After that first time, all you have to do is text the amount you want to give and you'll receive a confirmation. Kindred also allows you to embed a smart giving button on any page of your website, and you can set up scheduled gifts to occur on a weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly basis. So it really is user-friendly for the people in your church, and it also works on the back end as well. With their powerful tracking system and fast end-of-day transfers, Kindred works hard to make it just as easy on churches as it is for their givers. To find out more about how Kindred can help you and your church, visit kindred.com and unleash generosity in your church. For our listeners only, enter code SHEEP during sign up for your first month free. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another amazing episode of the Leadership Podcast. My name is Jared Hogue, and I am joined with... Roman, the guy that if he were a character in Boy Meets World would be Corey Matthews uh, Johnson. That was Roman, a good one. Thank you. Thank you. You're an avid Boy, Boy Meets World fan, right? Don't act like you're not. <laughs> okay. I, we have we have marathoned Boy Meets World on multiple occasions. It's uh, in fact, true. here's a funny story, guys. Uh, so one time, Jared thought that he was getting me the... Okay, so it was my birthday. I think it was birthday or Christmas, one of the two. One of the two. He thought he, he was giving me an amazing gift. He, he found online, he found the perfect gift. He found the entire series of Boy Meets World for sale for like... $20. I don't remember how much it was. I think it was a it little was, more than that. Okay, maybe a little more than that. Anyway, the, 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 it gets shipped here, and it comes in this real janky case, or I don't even remember. But I don't even think anyways. it was in a case. I think it was just in paper sleeves or something. It was yeah. ridiculous. So I, I, I put them, I'm, I'm excited still, because I'm like, even though this might be a little bit, you know, ghetto, whatever, I'm sure it still works. So I put, it, I put them in to watch them, and they have... They have the Disney logo in the corner of the show. So basically, someone recorded TV episodes on Disney Channel, cut out the commercials, and put them on, on a DVD. Uh, and there was, there was tons of episodes missing. Uh, but it was, a be- it was a beautiful sentiment by Jared. And yes, one of my favorite all-time shows, Yeah, as, if, as anybody else in my generation, I believe. If anyone from the FCC or whatever organization is over the pirating laws, <laughs> trust me, it was not on purpose that I, I pirated this. It was very much by accident. I thought I was buying a legit... Uh, series here. But anyhow, uh, Roman, you and Julianne have actually been compared to Corey and Topanga. Uh, if by, by who? If by no one else, me. Uh, <laughs> simply because of your love of Boy Meets World. And uh, folks, if you love Boy Meets World, hit us up on social media or send us an email. Who was your favorite character? Was it Corey, Topanga, Mr. Feeney, uh, Eric? There's so many good characters. Eric, Sean, oh man. 
So good. So many good characters. So many good characters. Uh, but anyhow, folks, uh, we've got another great episode for you today. I am Roman. I am beyond excited for this uh, for this episode. Beyond excited for this. Like episode. on a scale of one to like ninja, how excited <laughs> are you? You know, I would say I am a black belt samurai ninja ex- in, oh, in excitement okay. here. This is okay. episode 56. And before uh, you've already seen who this episode is with because of the uh, name in the description. But uh, before we get to that, of course, today's episode is brought to you by creativesheep.org, where we create premium media for the church. Folks, we've been working on a lot of lyric videos for churches all over the country lately, as well as, uh, Roman, we've we've been working on a pretty amazing uh, Easter piece. It, uh, it may have hit... By the time this podcast releases, it may not, but we've got a really great uh, new Easter piece coming out for you here here pretty quick with Easter right around the corner. Again, this is episode 56, folks, and we are joined by the one and only Carrie Newhoff. Carrie Newhoff, that's right, our friend from up north in Canada. This is Carrie's second time on the show, um, and he's actually got a bonus episode with us as well, talking about how he manages his time. But today, he came on the show, Roman, to talk about his new uh, a new course he's been working on called the High Impact Leader Course, which you've had a chance to check out. Am I right? I have, yes. I'm a little bit of the way. I'm, I'm, I think I'm two videos into it so far, and it is so good. Super practical. No fluff. It is straight to the point, and I mean, Kerry Newhoff, he's, he's the man. He I mean, his, is his the man. His podcast is legendary. Uh, his content is, is amazing. He's built something. He, he, he's not just famous for being famous, you know what I mean? Like, he's right. actually done something and proven himself, and so that's why I really like what he has to say. Absolutely, and I, he talks about that very clearly in the course of writing books, doing the blog, doing the podcast. He actually does two podcasts now. He's got the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast as well as the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. Um, he's just got some amazing things going on, not to mention his connection with Orange and Reggie Joyner, all the books that he's been writing. He's just, like you said, Roman, he's just the stinking man. Like He's doing so much, not to mention the fact that he's the founding and teaching pastor at Connexus Church up in Canada. Um, and so he's definitely done some amazing things. And this course is, each course is very brief, which is amazing. I was expecting them to be quite a bit longer than what they are, but they're very brief. And the workbook that comes along with it pushes you to action. And that's one thing I love about this course is, and and it's very practical, very simple, one step, take this step and then move forward. It's, it's just phenomenal. And you know, Roman, before we jump into this interview, I was telling you this before we, we, uh, we jumped on here to record this is one to me. This is a an interview that that may be one of the most important interviews we've done on the Leadership Podcast. Uh, really, for any leader, but I would specifically say to any young leader, someone that's around Roman or my age, you know, that 27 to 33 age range. Um, You're looking to get ahead. You're looking to do more, to grow more, and to become a better leader, to take those next steps because you're content where you are, but you know that God is calling you to something more in your life. This is the interview for you. So I want to encourage you that if you need to uh, uh, maybe pause this because you're driving right now or you're mowing the lawn or you're on the treadmill or maybe you're shoveling some snow right now, whatever the case may be, you may need to pause this so that you can take notes 
on this conversation. We went quite a bit off script for for quite a while, and it turned out to be a really phenomenal interview, which I, I wouldn't expect anything less with Carrie Newhoff. But this just was such a phenomenal interview, especially if you're a young leader out there listening. I can't encourage you enough to take notes and really let the words that Carrie has to say to you speak in. I believe this can be one of those conversations that truly can be not, not, not like a total pendulum shift for you, but like really just shift your steps into a new direction where God's wanting to take you. I believe that strongly in this conversation. So Roman, I think without further ado, we get to our conversation today with the one and only Carrie Newhoff. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for coming back on the show. It's a super, it's it's just an incredible honor to have you back. Well, it's great. It's great to be back, Jared. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right in. The, the Carrie Newhoff name is is somewhat of a household name now in the church world. I mean, you you just over the past couple of years have exploded. I mean, you've always been doing some amazing things, but especially here lately, you've exploded with the blog, with the podcast. Um, and, and I'm just curious, and this isn't actually our main topic for today, but I'm just curious. Um, did you expect this kind of thing when, when you started blogging more consistently and getting the podcast going? Not, not even close. No, my, my name, my name isn't even a household name in my own household. So there you go. So it's like, who's this guy? What's he doing here? Right. No, not at all. I mean, you know, and, and, and the funny thing is I, I, I've been, I've been, teaching leaders for years. And, you know, at the beginning, when I started out, when I was in my thirties, it was like, I would just drive to a neighboring town, talk to a half a dozen or a dozen elders or do a congregational meeting. And everybody would say I was crazy and didn't know what I was talking about. And I would go home. So, you know, it's pretty easy. You just do it over and over again. Um, and then, and then started speaking leaders a little like in a broader platform a decade ago, but it was really just over four years ago that I decided to blog three times a week and, Mm two years ago that I launched the podcast. So a lot of this has come, you know, more recently, but I had, I had what I thought were crazy ambitious goals. Like I wanted to reach a hundred thousand, you know, page views in a year that first year I started blogging. And, uh, yeah, those, you know, to me that would have been just inconceivable and unreachable. Yeah. And of course it's gone way beyond that. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, here we are and just try to be a good steward of it. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, the, uh, so you said a hundred thousand was the goal. If you don't mind sharing, uh-huh. what, what are you seeing these days? Yeah. So the blog last year had 3 million page views, wow. um, which, which was great. And, uh, this year we're on pace for a record January so far. Um, and then the podcast is at 2.2 million downloads and, and counting and just it's got hockey stick growth right now. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I think this will be the first month when you and I are recording this where uh, the leadership podcast will have 200,000 downloads in a month. Good so that's that's just nuts. I mean, I, I, I never thought it would go that way. And um, right now, the biggest challenge is just trying to manage traffic. You know, yeah. I think we're six months ahead and I don't want to get a year ahead because it loses <laughs> some of its freshness. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So very thankful. But, you know, above it all, blogs come, blogs go, podcasts come, podcasts go. But mm-hmm. I just I feel God put a call on my life to help leaders. And if those are resources that help leaders, then I'm, you know, I'm very honored and, and happy to do it. Man, that, that's incredible. And it, it definitely shows that you are called to resource leaders. I can't tell you how helpful your blog and your podcast have been to us here at Creative Sheep. Uh, also, when I was at Church on the Move there, 
um, and, and now at Adore Church out in Boston. Just it's so, mm-hmm. so helpful. So thank you for all that you do. Oh, you're welcome. You're um, welcome. And exciting that you're involved in a church plant, too. That's, <laughs> that's really exciting it's, and it, nerve-wracking, yes, I'm sure. Yes, right? it's yeah. a totally different world, but it, it's pretty yeah. awesome to see from, from the beginning. It definitely opened, right. your, opened your eyes to some new things. But anyhow, um, I, I'd like to go off script, if you don't mind, just a little bit here. Um, Let's go. So rewind, you said in your 30s, I think it was, that you would go town to town kind of talking to some different churches, and people thought you were crazy, didn't know what you were talking about. Um, we've really honed in kind of our, our audience in the, in the leadership podcast here in that before we thought, you know, our podcast is for any leader, but really what we, Roman and I have both found is our podcast is for us. Like it's, it's, it's for us. And so we're, we're reaching what, who we're hoping to reach are our young leaders, uh, late twenties, early thirties, um, couple of kids, maybe one or two kids at home, but someone who's looking to get ahead, looking to take those steps to move up. The, 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 the very driven leader, but feeling, mm-hmm. feeling to some degree, like, man, when is my break going to happen? I know there's times that I feel that. And so you're a little further along in life. And, uh, what, what advice would you give to someone like me, to one of the, the younger leaders out there listening, um, that, that's kind of feeling that way. And you've talked a lot about stewarding. And, um, I even heard you one time say that with, when it came to your blog, I believe it was you, it wasn't like you had a team that built this amazing website for you. It was a, Mm-mm. was it a $70 WordPress theme or something like yes, that? Yes, it was uh, $79 uh, US. So, you know, that, that was expensive. Yeah. $79. Yeah, it was a $79 WordPress theme, the standard theme. Yeah. If anyone remembers that, um, that, that I downloaded and thought, okay, this'll, this'll work. You know, going back to my thirties, I mean, we had some growing churches, which was unusual in the denomination I was a part of at the time. And so people would ask me, well, first of all, I went to anybody I thought could teach me anything. I mean, I would drive and, you know, have lunch or buy dinner or whatever for anybody who would spend time with me that I thought, gosh, I hope in a couple of years, I could have a church like yours or be a leader like you. So I would do that because of course everybody thinks, well, I'm just going to hang out with Andy Stanley and it never starts that way. Right. Like, like, like it never, it never does. So you just have to find the leader from the town next door or the church next to you that will have lunch with you and you start there. And so that's all I did in my thirties. And of course this was still dial up internet days. I mean, we are not in the hyper-connected podcasting world. I mean, those were the 90s, the late 90s. So wow. um, I I just, you know, in the early 2000s, we, we didn't have the connectivity we have. But I do remember being at the Global Leadership Summit in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, I was just arrogant enough and ambitious enough to think, well, maybe one day, you know, I'll be on that stage. But, like, the gap was so massive, like, you know, I was, I was leading a church of a couple hundred people <laughs> to think that I would one day be on the global leadership, uh, summit stage with Bill Hybels. Well, I've, I still haven't been on that stage. And yeah. you know what? I'm at the point where that's okay. If I'm never on that platform, that's all right. Um, but there's often in our ambitions, there's this gap. We think we're going to be the next John Lee Dumas or the next, you know, Tim Ferriss or the next Andy Stanley or Craig Rochelle or, you know, whatever. Um, but but I think at the end of the day, God has basically called me to be me. And so my job was when I was in a denomination where churches weren't growing and our church was growing by God's grace, uh, where people were curious, I would just go and, you know, drive in my car an hour or two at night after dinner and go teach as best as I could. 
And usually people would just say, well, that'll never work here. Or, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. And then I just drive home. And, you know, I think it was Winston Churchill who said success is basically moving from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Mm. And I think he's right. So, you know, that first decade, I joined national committees for our denomination in Toronto. It was an hour drive down there. And I'd go sit there in the afternoon in a boardroom all day and say, well, why don't we try this? Oh, that won't work. And well, you know, but this has worked really well for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's only in your context. I'm like, I'm an hour away. There's not that big a context. But, you know, it's prepare, prepare for a lot of people not to listen for a long, long time. Mm. And then, you know, the surprising thing now, you know, people are like, oh, your stuff is gold. It's so good. I don't know whether it's any good or not. It's been the stuff that I've been saying for 20 years. It's just all of a sudden an audience showed up. And I think, you know, if your stuff is really crap, then at that point you should go, well, I just have really crappy stuff and that's why there's no audience. On the other hand, if your stuff starts to resonate and starts to make a difference, you know, the internet's a democracy. That's the beautiful thing and the terrible thing about the internet. And there's ways to get cheap traffic. I mean, you can be inflammatory or you could be uh, the guy who writes in all caps or you you could be the guy who's always on some rant. Um, I don't want to be that guy. And so I just try to write stuff that I hope helps leaders. And for some reason, all these leaders have shown up. And so my advice would be try to be helpful. Um, if you really believe in your message and you're not getting much of an audience, well, maybe you have to change your message or maybe it's just, well, try to figure it out and maybe one day people will show up. And so for whatever reason, all this has happened and here we are. And I just want to be a good steward of it. That's amazing. That's such great advice. You know, I, I'm assuming you're a Gary Vaynerchuk follower or oh yeah, yeah. to some degree. Yeah. He's got an incredible book on this. It's called Jab, 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 Right Hook for anyone out yep. there listening. And it's it goes right along with what Carrie's saying and that provide value, just keep bringing value to people, whatever you do, bring value. And one of the biggest things he's preaching right now is just patience. And I know for me, especially when you are a type A driven personality and you're young and you think you want to grab the world by the tail, it can be very difficult um, to, to have that patience and to get frustrated and want to give up when you're not seeing the success that you're wanting to see. I, I mean, hearing you say that you've had 2 million downloads to your podcast, to a certain degree, I'm just like, why am I even doing what I'm doing right now? Yeah, yeah. It, it just, I, don't, I don't see the point. I mean, we've seen some amazing growth, but nothing to that level. But I just see it. I guess I see what you're saying is very helpful. As long as we continue to bring value, as long as we continue to produce something that's of, of worth, it'll pay yeah. off in the long run. And remember, God God is writing a story in you. I've had a couple of people who are interested in the platform conversation say, you know, what was your platform when you were 32? I'm like, first of all, a platform is what I stood on when I was preaching. <laughs> like, literally, that's what my platform was. That that term wasn't even around. Secondly, I didn't even think about it. Like, really? I was so busy trying to lead a church. I was so busy. Like, Craig Rochelle wasn't running a leadership podcast when he was 30. He was True. trying to get the people out of his garage, uh, you know, where he first started meeting and going somewhere else. And he was trying to figure out how to leave his dad's ministry with some integrity for him and his dad and start over again and plant a church. Like nobody, nobody who has a story was trying to write a story. They were living a story mm. and they weren't thinking about marketing a story. And then what happens is you, you run in your story. And I mean, you've got a great story, Jared, you've led an incredible ministry at church on the move. Now you're part of a church plant. Like God is actually writing a story in you right now. And he's still writing a story in me. Like when I was burning out, 
when I was 40, I wasn't thinking, gosh, how am I going to share this with leaders one day? Mm. I was like, how do I avoid driving my car into the ditch? That was, you know, my wow. question that day. But then, then there comes a point where you process your stuff enough and where you have prayed through it enough and gotten enough counseling and gotten enough coaching where you're like, I wonder if this could help somebody. And, you know, in the first year or two after my burnout, I couldn't help anybody. I mean, I remember the first time I spoke about it, actually, I remember exactly where I was. I was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I was speaking to a group of church leaders and I talked about my burnout. And after this is probably two years after the really bad year. So it might be 2008. I burned out in 06 when mm. I was 40, 41. Um, and the lead pastor pulled me aside after and he goes, dude, are you okay? Like, do you need counseling? And at first I didn't really understand it, but looking back on it, and I don't have a recording of that day or anything, but I'm guessing I had not processed it at a level at which it could truly be helpful to people yet. And, mm. you know, now I, I feel some emotional distance from it. I, I have immediate empathy for somebody who's tired or burned out or, or, you know, overburdened by ministry. And I am actually writing a book. One of the chapters is going to be about burnout in, in my next book. Uh, I also wrote about it a little bit in Lasting Impact. But, you know, now it's at the point where it can be helpful and where I think age and wisdom also gives you some ability to pull in experiences and to go, oh, well, maybe this is what you're dealing with. So, you know, I would say focus as much on the story as the telling of the story. And then eventually what will happen is is you you will see that as that story is able to help other leaders, you, you're going to be able to help other leaders. And, you know, so, and it's always a battle, I would say, Jared, between, you know, I look at my numbers every day. I do that at the church. I do that on my blog. Is this post catching? Is it not catching? And I mean, it's sort of like, you know, that cartoon where you have the, the angel and the devil on your shoulder and you just have to make sure you listen to the angel more than you listen to the devil. Because I think there's something in all of us who are entrepreneurial and driven, and that's definitely me that is like, you know, and with all the stats on your phone with you, wherever you go, you can, you can be in it for the wrong reasons. But I think, I think eventually your audience can tell if you're trying to build an audience, huh. like, do you really care about me as a person? Do you really, you know, Mark Batterson has said publicly, and, and I've heard him say it numerous times, you know, every book sold is a prayer answered. And that sounds like, uh, and this is a guy who sold millions of books. Um, that sounds like, like, uh, a platitude, but if you're actually selling books or people are actually buying your courses or like, you know, whatever, it's, it's actually a really good character check. It's a really good thing going, God, this isn't mine. It's yours. Mm -hmm. It's a trust. It's a stewardship. And so I think, I think that's the key and let God write the story in you, you know, the story of you as a, as a husband, as a church planter, as a leader, as a father, and then that will accumulate over time. I don't know. I've gone on a long time. I don't know whether that helps at all. That was so good. It's <laughs> so yeah. helpful. So, so good. I, I got to ask then with, with all of this. So you, you, I know you've led a couple of different churches. Um, you launched Connexus church and when you launched it, and then even when you launched the blog and the podcast was your kind of in your mind, at least at that time, was your kind of your long-term Connexus or did you see this other aspect because at this point you've transitioned out of being the, if, correct me on the yeah. terms if I'm wrong, but you've transitioned out of being the lead pastor of Connexus now 
to you're a teaching pastor and founding pastor. Is that correct? Right. Founding yeah. pastor means I used to be important. That's <laughs> what it means. That's what the title. So you do, and now Jeff Brody actually leads the church. Um, correct. And so, but it, I guess when you launched the blog and the podcast, did you see that being another avenue or was it more so like Connexus is what you're doing and like that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life? And I mean, I, I know you had the leadership development, some of that on mm -hmm. the side and that kind of thing, but did you, and we kind of touched on this earlier on, but I'm just curious if like you saw Connexus as like, this is the lifelong pursuit right here. Yeah. To me, it was a question of calling and it, and it is a lifelong pursuit in, in some respects. And yeah. the way I see it now is I, I think God has put two callings on my life. And the first calling for sure is that um, to create a church and unchurched people love to attend would be the current expression of it. But I had that heartbeat long before I heard of North Point or Andy Stanley. It was just like, you know, the people outside these walls matter to God more than the people inside these walls. And, and I did say more than, cause I really believe it. <laughs> if you got a lost child, if you have a lost, you have four kids and one's missing, the missing child becomes the greater priority than the found children. Yes. Um, unless you don't care and you're like, well, 75%, that's a good average. <laughs> I don't care about the lost kid. We can have another one. Right. So, I, I mean, that has, has been such a big part of my life and that carries over into, you know, helping leaders create churches that unchurched people would love to attend. Yeah. But I really, my mentors and others, as the blog started and, you know, my speaking heated up a little bit and I started writing books, they were like, you know what, Carrie, do you think you have a secondary call on your life? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, like you're called to lead leaders. And as I prayed about that and discerned that with mentors and friends, including the elders of our church, I mean, people kept confirming and affirming that calling on my life. And so the story of the last five years has been watching that calling going from being a curiosity or a possibility to being something I was doing on the side, like very much a, a five o'clock in the morning calling or a Saturday calling to being something that has taken up a little bit more of my life. When I was younger, I always said when I was 55, I didn't want to be leading a church day to day. I just had seen way too many guys in their fifties phone it in. And I thought it was a younger man's job and uh, I'll be 52 this year. So mm -hmm. I turned 52 this year. So I went a little earlier than I thought, but for a variety of reasons, because I had a, a second in charge who was really, it is an amazing leader. And it was like, if I hold on till 55, is he going to stick around? I don't know. Jeff's a decade younger than me. And you know, our elders have said, Carrie, we got to help you steward all of God's call on your life. And that actually includes what he's doing with leaders, because that just kept exploding and exploding and exploding. So if I had to call it when I was your age, I wouldn't have ever thought that I would lead leaders. I always thought our church will be 10,000 people and we have a good huh. sized church. Uh, it's a thousand people, 1200 people on the weekend, you know, a couple thousand people who call our church home. Um, but the biggest surprise in my life is that God has blown this other thing up to be uh, far more than I ever expected anything to be, and that the church isn't 10,000 people. That's That would be the biggest surprise, just speaking really candidly. And yet you have to be a steward of what God does, not just be a steward of what you think he should have done. Wow. So good. And and uh, you actually did an interview with—actually, um, he interviewed you, Todd Wilson, on his podcast, Find Your That's Calling, right. which was an Find your calling. unbelievable conversation. We'll link to that in the show notes. There's some other amazing conversations on that podcast as well. But, uh, man, you said something that, that you articulated it so well, something I've been feeling for so long 
And I'm totally like, we haven't even touched the script yet at this point. That's okay. Um, These are my favorite conversations, Jared. Keep going. But you, you said in that episode that, um, that for far too long, we have over-spiritualized what happens in the church and under-spiritualized what happens in the marketplace, when in all reality, the majority of ministry actually takes place in the marketplace. Mm. I think... <laughs> Like I said that? I, yes. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't remember that. Okay. Yes. I it, should write about that. <laughs> seriously, you should, because I, I could not agree with you more. And that's, you and I talked about this a little bit. I was on your podcast and mm-hmm. I, I, I briefly touched on it that I, I believe that church and business aren't different. They're, yeah. they are the same thing. And I hear a lot of people say or argue with that statement that that's not true, that business is grimy and dirty. And to me, they just have a misconception of what business actually is. Um, cause no matter what it is, it's all about serving people. And there's some businesses that do that really well. There's some businesses that don't do that very well. There's some churches that do that really well. And there's other churches that don't do that very well. And so it, nonetheless, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I just, I, I, people, you need to go listen to that podcast for one. Um, ju- were you going to jump in right there? No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, and then also, if folks want to hear more about your transition from being the lead pastor to the teaching pastor, you did an interview with Jeff Brody on your show, um, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, talking about this, this transition. And so folks, if you want to check that out, that will be in the show notes over at creativesheep.org, um, and you can check out both of those interviews. Now, actually, on to our topic of conversation sure. for today. Um, you've just launched a, a course that, that is actually only available for certain periods of time. Um, on, um, on, uh, your site and it's the high impact leader course. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I got to go through this and, uh, Sarah was so gracious to send it over and it, it is outstanding. It is so, yes, it is so good. And, and really before we even jump into the course, I'm noticing a theme in the things that you're releasing that for, you had the lasting impact book. Now you've got the high impact leader. Um, why, why sticking with this theme of impact? Okay, so here's here's a business principle, market research. So mm. I have, I don't know, 30,000 people who subscribe to my email list. So I poll people from time to time. And I ask them, and I'm, I'm apparently the world's worst titler of books and the worst <laughs> titler of courses, because I was going to call the high impact leader the passionate leader. And huh. like it tanked when I, when I actually asked people, they're like, what do you mean? Like somebody who's just excited? I'm like, well, if you do all this stuff in the course, you'll get your passion back and you'll be passionate forever. And they're like... Ah, it's too, it's too bad. So, um, I pulled different names. Impact actually kept rising up from like the open dialogue boxes where it's like, what do you think we should call this? People were like impact, impact kept coming up. And I'm like, okay. And, and I had released a year before I, in 2015, I released lasting impact, as you said. And again, I was going to call that book future church. I thought, Mm. Oh, that's really interesting. Tank. (laughs) Totally tanked when we pulled it out. And the word that kept like uh, surfacing was impact. And that's from my readers. These are the people who read what I, you know, put out. And these are from the people who listen to my podcast. And I thought, respect the reader. So that's where we came up with lasting impact. When we came up with lasting impact, seven powerful conversations that'll have your church grow, we tested that name. It had like huge, huge positive reviews. And, you know, there are objective things you can test. So it's like, okay, I guess that's the name of the book, right? And then and then I think I, I came up with the effective leader. I came up with the passionate leader. And then 
impact surface. So I tried the high impact leader and like, poof, all thumbs up. So nice. maybe it's a franchise. I don't know. But <laughs> I just it's like at the end of the day, you know, every author, every every content creator wants people to actually read what they produce. So if you title things the way that seems to resonate with your audience in advance, you're probably going to have a better reception. And, and both have, again, exceeded any sales targets I had in mind or, or yeah, for both of those resources. So that's awesome. Apparently, apparently that's, that was a good idea. <laughs> that's incredible. I love the, I love the test marketing it. That's, that's brilliant. Um, I think too often we get locked up in our office and think that we have a great idea and that everybody's just going to love it. I love that you are open to, uh, feedback and, and, and ideas from your audience. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, they're really, you know, they're really smart people and they, they, they often have better ideas than I do. So I'm taking notes. <laughs> um, you know, one other thing too, I love about this course is, is how brief the sessions are. Um, hmm. I thought that was brilliant and that uh, Craig Rochelle did this in a book. He wrote a book several years ago called fight and it's four men. Yeah. And the chapters are like three or four pages at most each chapter. Like they're so, so short. And so you feel like you're making a ton of progress. And I feel like guys don't really have a long attention span anyways. And so I thought that was brilliant. And then going through this course, I thought the same thing with your course is that all the sessions are very brief. They're, they're very uh, honoring of people's time, as Craig Rochelle would put it, as he always says in his podcast. And so mm -hmm. I love how you, how you structured it. And then not only that, um, that everything ends with an action step, that it's in yeah. very practical action steps. Um, very easy to do just, Hey, go do this. And then everything builds on. I, I just love how you structured the whole thing. It was very well put together. Um, Thank you. I, and, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, let's, let's jump into some of the content that this has. And, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that when the podcast releases that, uh, it will be in an open time for the, the high impact leader course. Um, <clears throat> well, if not jump, we'll put a waiting list up at the high and we're actually closing it, um, you know, January 19th. And the idea, this was my team's idea. Again, if you get smart people around you, they eventually figure it out. Um, but this open cart for the entrepreneurs, open cart, closed cart philosophy. A lot of people use Jeff Walker uses it. Michael Hyatt uses it. Pat Flynn, Derek Halpern, all the online marketers. And the idea is that you don't fatigue people by offering the same product over and over again. It's mm. not like a book that is available forever. And secondly, people recalibrate their lives and seasons. This is about a system, as you know, that completely recalibrates your life um, so that you can have a higher impact. And the idea was people tend to do that at New Year's. So we released mm. uh, uh, one pricing level pre-Christmas, then brought it back for three days after Christmas at a, you know the early bird rate. And now it's still a discounted rate, but it's a higher price point um, in the January release. But then it's going to go away. And I was talking to my team yesterday. I don't know where we're going to bring it back. Like we may bring it back in the summer or the spring, or we may bring it back next year at this time. But we want to sort of cooperate when people are retooling and rethinking either yeah. around the summer. So go to the high impact leader. We will have a waiting list that builds. And the next time the course is open and available for purchase, you will be the first to know. Perfect. Perfect. Folks, I highly recommend that you do this. It's, it is phenomenal and definitely worth your time. It's very brief and very practical. So let, let's jump in. One of the things that I love and I, I, I don't know if this necessarily ties. This is something I he I've heard Frank Bueller talk about before is that balance in life is a myth and, yep. and that, uh, that, that that's something that people try to chase, but it's actually not attainable. 
Um, and you talk about this and that one of your action steps is actually to abandon the idea of balance. Why mm. is that? Yeah, I, I really kept watching people and even myself when I'm like, I got to get more balance in my life. Uh, and two things happened. Number one, I kept noticing that the people who were trying to get a balanced life were actually accomplishing less, not more. It's like balance in our culture feels like a little less work, a little less of my hobby, a little less of this, a little less of that. Well, it sounds it, it ultimately becomes a retreat and a retreat into what? Second thing I noticed is the people that make the biggest and most significant impact in the world, but also in our lives tend not to be balanced people. They tend to be pa passionate people. Mm. And when I, you know, it's like, well, I want to approach my work with passion. I want to approach my rest with passion, my family with passion, my marriage with passion, even my exercise with passion. And what if instead of trying to be balanced, you became passionate? And so I've, I've really tried to apply that in my own life on the other side of burnout. And I found it makes a really big difference, like to just abandon balance and embrace passion. Wow. That's awesome. I, I love too, how you, how you didn't just stick to passion when it comes to work. You talk about pursuing all the areas of your life with passion. Um, yeah. That, I, I don't know why that resonated with me so much. I, I guess it's more so because when you listen to self-help and they talk about being passionate and getting fired up about what you do, it's oftentimes tied just to your work. It is. And that's when leaders show up at home on running on fumes and giving their family leftovers. And I had done that too often before I burned out. And I remember when my kids were moving into their teen years, they, I Jordan, my oldest said to me when he was in grade nine, dad, why can't you be like all the other dads and just be normal? It's always great when your kids <laughs> say stuff like that. Right. Man. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he goes, well, like dad, he says, dads are just around. You're always working on something. You're always, you always got something on the go. And I was not, you know, the guy tinkering in the garage or the shop. I was just, I always had my laptop open and I thought, you know what? He's right. And so I did a hard stop to my days at four o'clock or whenever. And then I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be around for him because I, I was becoming convicted that parenting teenagers takes more time than parenting toddlers. <laughs> so I thought I'm just going to be a normal dad. I'm going to be around. So the first night I was just a normal dad and around, I went up to the family room. I'm like, Hey Jordan, I'm around tonight. Like, what do you want to do? He's like, Oh dad, I'm going out with my friends. I'm like, Come on. Like I, I just gave everything up for you. But I also realized, you know, and this was my big lesson that, that being, um, around is no guarantee that anything relationally significant will happen, but never being around is an absolute guarantee that nothing relationally significant would happen. So what I've discovered is that just being around and being around for my family, being around for my wife, for my kids, um, and doing that with some energy left over so I'm not always the guy asleep on the couch or always distracted, um, made for a great relationship, and it pays off. Jordan's 25 now, and, I mean, he called me out of the blue this morning, and, again, because I've tried to order my life principled according to what I teach in The High Impact Leader, I had a full day of work lined up, but I also budget margin. And so when he called me at breakfast today, we talked for half an hour while he walked to work and just caught up and, like, just hung out. But you – you reap that when you pour your heart into the relationships around you and throw your heart into your work. And in that way, it becomes not a zero sum game. You know, you can't have it all, but if you, if you 
pursue a few things. And for me, they've been family, my relationship with God, not in that order, God first, family, work, hobbies, writing, podcasting. Like I select, I'm not passionate about sports. I have no idea who's in first place if it's not baseball season and the Blue Jays aren't in it. <laughs> I, I, I've not seen all movies in the Star Wars what is it? It's not even a trilogy, but you know, like I'm not the cultural guy. I just, I work a lot and I build into relationships and that's what my life is going to be about. And I'm passionate about those things. And I think a lot of people are, are just exhausted all the time. And then, well, guess what? You're not going to be passionate about anything. Yeah, man, that's really good. It, you you kind of touched on some really practical application right there, but again, t- talking about, uh, let's rewind to, to when you were in your thirties, late twenties, you had some kids you you kind of touched on it there just a little bit that when he when he was a, became a teenager, um, he he was he he was like dad you're never around. So what are the practical things you did? I know you said you had a hard end to your day at four, um, but what about the person that like they're not running their own church? They don't get to necessarily make that decision. They have a schedule given to them that they have to abide by. Um, and, and like even in my scenario, I mean I've got two little ones at home. I've got a three year old and a ten month old at the time of this recording. Um, what, what's some, and I know you talk some about, you talk quite a bit about priorities in, in the high impact leader course. Um, but what are some real practical things that we can do, um, to be passionate about these things? Well, you have more control than you think you have. Um, that's what I would say. I think a lot of people, we live in a victimization culture and I think a lot of people think, well, I have no choice. Like, okay, it can be tough if you work at Starbucks and you always get the four till midnight shift when your kids are home. I admit that's difficult, but then you got to look at, okay, what is within my control? Well, I can request a different shift. I can see if I can trade off half the time. Or, you know, maybe I'll do the breakfast window with my kids. You know, I won't sleep until nine o'clock in the morning. I'll get up at six and I'll try to make those first two hours of the day meaningful with my kids. Or, you know, you work around that. Or ultimately, if you're going to be stuck on that late shift all the time or you work at a church where it's required that you're out seven nights a week or five nights a week, then you just have to look in the mirror and go, is this how I'm going to spend my life? Because I think I quote from Annie Dillard in the in the course, because I love this quote, you know, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Mm. And that's just very true. Like, if you're not happy with the way you're spending your days, well, wake up because your 15-year-old's going to be 25, your 5-year-old's going to be 15, and you've got to figure out what is within my control. And I think way more is in your control. And I'll give you an example outside of ministry. I was at a law firm in downtown Toronto. I'm writing about this in my new book, actually. And, you know, it was a culture, it was a slave culture. And I, I don't say that lightly. I mean, there were firms that had chefs and cots in the firm. Oh Basically, you don't have to leave to eat and you don't have to leave to sleep. And there's the shower, go to work. Wow. Like that was, it was a Wall Street culture in downtown Toronto. And I didn't want to live that way because I was you know, 25, newly married, 27. We had a baby on the way. Um, Jordan, our oldest son came at Christmas that year. And so I started in September and I worked in law until the following year. Um, and I think it was 12 months. 
And I said to them right out, well, I didn't say this, but I talked to other people. First of all, I went in and I asked for a raise. I said, we're horribly underpaid. So first month I negotiated a 30% wage increase for the articling students. Wow. The partners hated me and the students loved me. Um, so I changed that. And then I just, there was, there was another student in the firm that I went to law school with and he played by the prevailing rules. He worked 12 to 18 hour days and every weekend. And I just said, I don't want to live my life that way. So I would sneak out of the office at four o'clock, hoping that no lawyers would see. I would get in at seven o'clock in the morning. I would work like a dog. I would work really, really hard. And I would build, 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 dock it, dock it, dock it, run hard, um, win for the clients. I only lost two cases that entire year. I was in court almost every day. Wow. And I just hustled. But at 4.35, I'd be home, you know, ride the subway home, drive my car home, have dinner with my wife. And I didn't work any evenings. The only time I ever worked an evening was if I was in court out of town, outside of Toronto. And it might be six or seven when I got home. And that happened a couple times a month. And then I never, ever went in on a Saturday, never worked on a Sunday because we went to church and sometimes I was preaching. And so at the end of the year, and I never got flack for it. Like I broke all the rules, but I never got flack for it because I was billing and delivering results. And at the end of the year, here's the irony. Uh, I would knew I was heading into seminary. The One of the partners of the firm took me out for lunch one day and he goes, what do I need to do to convince you to stay with the firm? Here's a job. Here's a salary. It was very lucrative. He said, you are the only student in the history of our firm that has ever made the firm money. I made the firm $100,000 that year. Wow. And he goes, so we're offering you a job. Now I broke all their rules and he offered me a job. You know what happened to the guy who worked every single night and every weekend? They fired him. Wow. Because he lost the firm money and he wasn't productive. So I just, I just think you've got more control than you think. And mm. Uh, I would, you know, and if you got a boss that is like, well, you're just going to be here every night, then you got to ask, okay, is this how I'm going to spend my life? Like, if you think all the churches suck, go plant your own one. Ooh, come on now. You know, like, like at the end of the day, go create a healthy culture. So, you know, as our church has grown, ironically, when our churches were smaller, I was out four or five nights a week for meetings. Uh, you know, even in my last days as lead pastor, I was out maybe two or three nights a month. Why? Because we created a church where families could be families and where people could have a life. Man, that's really cool. I love that so much. That's really, really good. So really just let your results speak for themselves and it's unlikely that someone's going to give you flack. And if they do, that's when it's time to look in the mirror and say, is this the life I want? That's yep. some really any employer, any employer, any boss half worth his or her salt who can't who, who judges everything by process, like how many hours were you at your desk? Mm. Well, I don't want a zombie at their desk 10 hours a week. Any boss who judges things that way, they're not an effective leader. A great leader will always look to outcomes. And if, you know, you can get it done in 20 minutes rather than two hours, more power to you. I want to judge you on the outcome. So I would, I would try to be judged on the outcomes and even raise that with your employer. Hey, what if we worried less about the process and more about the outcome? Now, you can't cheat your employer. I mean, if you're working part-time, you better draw a part-time wage or, but you know, you be, be creative in, in how you do that. And you have more power than you think. That's so good, man. That's so good. Uh, you talk about three, uh, assets that every leader has, uh, in this course and it's time, <clears throat> time, energy, and our priorities. Mm -hmm. Um, 
time. Give us, give us just kind of a snapshot on that one. I love, I love how you talk about how opportunities are always going to exceed the available time. Um, yeah. and as you've gotten older, has this just gotten more and more true in your life, especially now? I mean, like we said at the beginning, Carrie Newhoff is somewhat of a household name in the church world. I'm sure you've got opportunities like crazy where some you're having to say no to others. You're going to say yes to, um, does it just get more and more so as you get older and as you continue to stay driven and, and, and strive for more? Yeah, I think generally if you're in any growth organization or any growth ministry, um, you are always going to have more opportunities than time available. And I mean, that even happens on a very small level. If your buddy's asking you to help on a Saturday, you know, help them move, but you said it was going to be a family day, you're already in that. And like, yeah. I've had multiple texts since we started this interview. I've got people, Hey, I'm only in town for a few days or, Hey, can I be on your podcast? Or, Hey, can I do this? And so literally I started joking a few years ago that I hire my assistants to say no, that's what they do. <laughs> they say no all day long and they do it really nicely and really kindly. But it's that idea of doing less and accomplishing more. And there's the initial part of that is extremely difficult to do because you just think, well, I'm going to say yes. But then you realize, well, nobody's making more hours. Nobody's giving me more time. I'm going to have to steward this in 168 hours a week. So I got to figure out how to do it. Since I burned out, I sleep more, not less. I slept pretty much eight hours last night. I mean, I slept wow. solid. I'll take a nap during the day if I need to. Michael Hyatt blogs about that. He's not ashamed anymore. I think that's great. So you've just got to figure out what, what am I called to do? Um, what is going to help me fulfill that calling and be really nice along the way. You got to learn how to say no nicely, but yeah, you're, I'm, you're going to say no eventually probably 80 to 90% of the time and you have to be prepared to walk away. So you look at it this way. If you're, if you're going to buy a car, you walk into a showroom and you're emotionally committed to buying that car, you are not going to get the best deal. Mm. But if you have the power, and this is hard for me because I'm a car guy. I haven't bought a new car in 15 years. I always buy them new or used. But if I was going to buy a new car, this would be very difficult because I've done all my research. I'd be emotionally committed. But I have to be prepared to walk away if I want to get the best deal. Mm. And I've done that in the past. And like when you're walking out of the showroom, they'll often come back and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. What if we blah, 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 blah. Then you get your deal. And so it actually increased scarcity, increases value, right? Yeah. And so... So, you know, and that's not what I'm trying to do. It's just if I did everything everybody wanted me to do, I could not do this, which I said yes to. I could not produce a weekly podcast. I couldn't provide uh, two days a week of fresh content on my blog. I, I couldn't write books. I couldn't release resources like the High Impact Leader. And I would be a horrible preacher at our local church. So uh, I've got to learn how to say no. And you've got to learn how to say no. And that forces you to figure out priority. You know, Greg McEwen, who's been a guest on my podcast, author of the New York Times bestselling book, Essentialism, that is like the ninja course in saying no. He is absolutely brilliant. And that's a book worth picking up, Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Yeah, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Uh, I love too uh, about this, and I've got to move quickly here, but one thing you say at the end of this session is stop saying you don't have enough time. Yep. Why, why is that a big deal? Well, I found myself saying, hey, Jared, I'd love to help out. I just don't have the time for that. And I made myself get relentlessly honest because it's like, well, I have the same amount of time as everybody else on the planet. If you really look at it, 
It's not like they gave the president of the United States an extra day a week or, you know, if you become the, the CEO of a large corporation, they don't give you an extra five hours a day. You, you have to manage it all. And I began to notice that people I really, really admired, they were actually doled out the same amount of time every day. So as a little hack for me, I made myself stop saying I don't have the time for that. And then I said to myself, start admitting that you didn't make the time. So if your mom wants to have dinner and you haven't made the time and you're telling her every Friday night, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, you, you, you're probably not a very good son. Like you should make time for your parents. If your wife wants a date night, if your kids want to read a story with you and you're like, I don't have the time, I don't have the time. Well, you're actually a really bad dad at that point. So when I'm like in my head, don't say it out loud, but in your head, you're like, I didn't make the time. I'm not going to make the time. Makes me go. Why am I not making the time for my mom, for my wife, for my kids, for this big project, for writing my message? Oh, I got a priority problem. And so to me, it was a hack to much clearer prioritization and, and to finally stop lying to myself. Because I guess what, Carrie, you have the time. Wow. So good. So good. Now, we, we're going to have to wrap it up, unfortunately, here. Uh, I know a couple of the other things, like I said before, tracking your energy and finding out yeah. Uh, when you're at your best and then also determining your priorities, not only what, but who, and then I love this so much, but learning how to say no nicely. That's mm -hmm. a big deal. If you can just in a nutshell, how, how do we go about saying no nicely? So I'll give you a couple of quick hacks because I've had to learn this the hard way. I mean, you can be a jerk and just go, I'm not doing your podcast. Sorry. <laughs> right. Right. But, but that doesn't go very well. And I, you got to look yourself in the mirror. So here's the reality. And I, I think from a, this passes the integrity test, I think, for me. I hope it does for listeners. The reality is I'd love to do so much of what I'm not doing. Uh, I was talking to someone about, I used to do TV, you know, I'd love to be on TV. The conditions weren't right for me to continue to do it, but you know, I'd love to do everybody's podcast who asks. I'd love to say yes to every speaking engagement. I'll give you a, a very practical example. I did uh, more speaking in 2016 than any other year of my life. I decided dial back. I have more opportunities than ever and I'm, I'm saying no. Why am I saying no? Because I like my wife. I like my friends. I, all the status in the world isn't worth being home. And so I'm still going to be out, but I'm going to be more selective. So how do I say no? Number one, start by saying, I'd love to. Jared, I'd love to do your podcast. That would be great. Um, and then, and then that lets them know, Hey, I don't think you're an idiot. I think you're great. I really appreciate you asking Thank you so much. I'm honored. And I think, I think that is true for me. I would do everything if I could, if I was superhuman, but I can't. And then you would say to them, you know, unfortunately, I'm not able to do that. Now, if you move to a fixed calendar, which I walk you through in great detail, as you know, in the course, you can even in that awkward moment, Jared's like, what are you doing on Friday? You're like, uh, you know what? I have a commitment. And so you tell him you have a commitment and maybe your commitment is lunch with my daughter. That's okay. You don't have to tell them it's lunch with your daughter. But if you have nothing in your calendar, you're like, uh, nothing. Oh, good. Well, then you can do my podcast or you can have lunch with me. And you don't realize that in the back of your mind, you're like, well, at some point I have to hang out with my daughter. Right. So you pull out your calendar because you're on a fixed calendar. You go, you know, what? one o'clock I got I got a meeting. I'm so sorry. I'm not free. You don't even have to tell them what you did. It's just I'm not free. And most people respect that. 
And then if they're like, well, I really want to get you there, you can do a couple of things. You can say what I'm saying increasingly, you know what, I'm working on a new book. I'm, I'm really in a full season. I'm not sure this is the right season for it. Thank you. Or you could say, shoot me an email. Do you know 50% of the people never send the email? Really? Yep. 50% of the people never send the email. Wow. Um, so obviously it wasn't that important to them. Yeah. Or you say, can you tell me why you want to meet? That's another, another tactic. And it's like, oh yeah, well, why, why do I want to meet? You know, I just want to hang out. <laughs> or sometimes one guy was like, I had this at church the other week. Hey, I need to meet with you. Can you tell me why you want to meet with me? Yeah. You know, it was about, uh, the whole group's policy and all that. I'm like, oh, you should talk to our lead pastor. Oh, I already talked to him. He was using me as a court of appeal. Mm. So I got to shoot him down right there in that moment and just say, you know what? If that's Jeff's position, I support him 100%. I really appreciate you asking, but there are good reasons why we do things the way we do. I settled it right there in a two-minute conversation. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't real happy with the answer, but a breakfast wasn't going to solve that. And then, um, so you can try that and and deflect or solve in the problem. Or you say, if that person really, it's like, look, I got two minutes right now. What would you like? Nine times out of 10, it goes away after that. Mm. Then, okay, let's say they email you. Then your assistant, if you have an assistant, or you can get back and say, I reviewed my schedule. Unfortunately, it's just not a good season to do that. But thanks so much for asking. Wow. Man, this and is... And you honor the person in the process, right? Yeah. It's all so good. And and really pretty simple. Like, it's not... Yeah, it's, it's so nothing hard. crazy. It's crazy. This is but, so... But good. this is the moment, right? None of this stuff is revolutionary. But yeah. when you put it all together systematically, and that's the idea of the 10 units... When you put it all systematically, you understand your energy, your high energy, your low energy. You figured out your gifting, what you're best at. You've got a fixed calendar. You're figuring out who are the people to invest in, who are the people to avoid, because I, I lead you through that in the course. What are the things you should invest in that give you the biggest impact? What are the things you should avoid? You figured that all out, not just based on my life, but on your life. And now you know how to say no to protect your priorities. Then all those little simple things work together and suddenly you've got double the impact at home and at work that you had before. So it's not, it's not, and, and I loved how you started this because you said, man, the units are short. They're easy to do. That was the goal, Jared. That means we won. My team won. <laughs> easy to understand that and, and challenging to implement Yeah. because some courses are really challenging to understand. What did he say? How many pages was this? What, what, I don't even know what that was about. No, you should know a hundred percent what this is about and what to do. The hard part is for you to go, what am I best at? Like, okay, I don't know. That took me a year to figure out when I was, you know, going through that exercise myself, it won't take you that long. Or it could be, when are my high energy zones? I've gotten a lot of feedback from people. They don't know. And I'm like, well, try this, try that, try this, try that. And they're like, okay, I think I'm at my best. Like I'm at my best from five to 10 in the morning. Mm. And I know that. And so I do my most important work between five and 10 AM. And so it's putting all those things together that really creates the comprehensive plan. Um, but yeah, you know what? It is simple. And most of us, when we get pinned in the lobby, hey, can we have lunch? And we know the answer should be no. We say yes because we don't know what else to say. Yeah. And that's where strategy comes in handy. So I've memorized those responses. Nice. That's this is awesome. Uh Carrie, if they wanna if they want to check out the course, it doesn't sound like it'll be available when this releases, but they can get on the wait list. Once again, where do they go? Yeah, totally. Anytime on the wait list, it's called the high impact leader. 
Com. Just go there and you'll see a little bit more about what the course is about and you'll have the opportunity to jump on a wait list. And we do plan on opening it two or three times a year. So uh, it will be available for purchase then. And then, of course, once you purchase it, uh, you can you can use it any time. You know, it's not like, oh, I got to finish this by Thursday. No, you can up open it next month or whenever you're ready. Um, but the purchase window, the registration is, is just restricted to a few seasonal times a year where people are thinking about, Hey, I want to recalibrate. Well, that's what it's for. That's fantastic. Carrie, thanks for putting it together and thanks for coming on the show today. I know your time is extremely valuable and uh, very, very grateful for you to stop by. Well, so is yours. Thanks so much <laughs> for having me, Jared. Really appreciate you and love what you're doing for leaders. Uh, thank you so much. I think a leader who gives back is, is really a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I really appreciate you, my friend. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Leadership Podcast today. Uh, we're so thankful that you took some time out of your busy day to listen. Hope you got a lot out of it. Hope, hope you took a lot of notes. Uh, if you'd like to connect with us, you can do that by uh, finding us online at creative underscore sheep. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, feel free to hit us up. Maybe you got a suggestion for someone you'd like to hear on the podcast. Uh, maybe you have a comment or a question. We would love to hear from you. Folks, uh, again, thank you. And we are so, so pumped about the interviews we've got coming up. Folks, next week, we've got Brad Stapley on the show. Coming up here very, very soon, John Mitchell is going to be joining us, talking about music. Uh, That doesn't even do it justice. John Mitchell is just a freak when it comes to music. He... He's the owner of Creative Audio Lab in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Uh, I, I get, can almost guarantee you, you've heard some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, we've got Jim Weidman coming on the show, Ryan Taus, Daniel McKenna, Matt Samuels, Eric Lawson. The list goes on and on and on. We've got Jared, an incredible lineup um, for you. I'm very excited about that lineup. Hopefully we can get Corey Matthews or maybe uh, <laughs> Topanga Lawrence on the on the podcast you know, at some point as Mr. well. Mr. Feeney keeps turning me down, but I, I will <laughs> not give up. I will not give up. <laughs> Folks, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, stay tuned. As I said last time, stick it tuned right here to the Leadership <laughs> Podcast. And we'll stick it tuned. S- we'll see you all next week.